Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. Today's guest is a pastor's coach and a leader's coach. He passionately encourages pastors, leaders, and anyone who wants to accelerate their personal professional growth to turn their dreams into plans, their plans into goals, and their goals into action steps so they can fulfill their God-given purpose. He is a certified professional life coach and a member of the John Maxwell team of certified speakers, coaches, and trainers. He is also an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God Fellowship. He has 34 years experience leading and influencing others towards finding and fulfilling their purpose by discovering their gifts, talents, and most of all, their intrinsic value. Please join me in welcoming Pastor Larry Kettle to this podcast episode. The title of this episode is Gripping Your Vision, Mission, and Values. Welcome, Larry. Well, thank you. What drew you to the ministry? Well, I was drawn by a divine call of God. You know, I was in a Wednesday night service as a young man, about 12 years old, and a pastor in one of those services just said he really felt there were three of us young men that were in the in the service that day that God was putting his hand on. And I don't know what happened to the other two boys, but I certainly knew that one of those boys was me and I never looked back. What about coaching? What drew you to coaching? Well, what drew me to coaching is the effectiveness of the process. Uh, 2006, I found myself, you know, as a leader of other pastors, having been elected to a position called the presbyter. And uh, being a presbyter, I was charged with, you know, helping some of the younger ministers, as well as ministers in struggling churches, to find their way. And I just, you know, began to get some training from the Assemblies of God regarding, you know, what coaching was. And I found out that, you know, when you use open-ended questions, it really helps people think. And Mm -hmm. uh, when people can own their own answers, when they can figure out that they really are very adept, you know, that their passion and that their heart and that their talent, you know, everybody gets stuck. But what's really nice is when you can learn to ask a question that helps them continue to process when they can't just do that by themselves. And I just found that it was so much more effective when I just helped them plow through the roadblocks that they would have, Mm -hmm. you know, where they would stop on their own and just uh, encourage them to keep going. And it's like having a light bulb come on when a person uh, really makes a discovery and finds out that, well, maybe they, for instance, they made a problem much too complicated 
And by, you know, dissecting it through a few good questions, they learn that it's not nearly as difficult as they were making it, but it becomes their answer. It almost sounds like a calling too. And, and I think it is. I, I do, as far as uh, gifts, the Bible talks about uh, the gift of exhortation, or in other words, encouragement. And that is definitely a gift that just comes out of my pores. I just love to encourage and strengthen and help people. You know, I think mm-hmm. there's so much negativity in this world. And there's so many people that are just being down on stuff or critical of things. And I just want to be one of those voices that's here to help people uh, realize that they are valuable. I like that. And that's why you're a perfect guest for this podcast. Thank you. Now, you've already drawn some connections between the dots of pastoring and coaching. Anything more you want to say about that? Well, I would say that, you know, one of the one of the common frustrations I think of many of many pastors is that it's like people come in and sometimes as a pastor, there are people that feel like not only are you their pastor, but possibly their lawyer, their doctor, their plumber, you know, their cat catcher, you know, all kinds of different things that mm-hmm. get thrown on your plate. As a pastor, one of the frustrations is when some of the same people come into your office week after week and you want to help them. And when they come in, and, you know, you lead them to particular scriptures or you give them particular things that you really think would work. And they're just grateful that they had time with you. They were spending time. But for a pastor like me, I wanted not just to spend time with them. I wanted them to make progress. I wanted them to get better and not just be happy that I spent another hour with them. When I discovered the process of asking them questions, basically based on what they were telling me. How does that make you feel? You know, what do you think the result of that is going to be? Where it's making them talk about the situation instead of them expecting me to give them insight or wisdom. When they begin to own it, you know, it really begins to dawn on them that, oh, wow, I can do something about this rather than just accept my plight. Now, there are some that that say that God comes from within. And so you could say you're tapping into what's within them already. I agree completely. Yes. And, and oftentimes people sell themselves short. You know, they buy into the what mama or dad or grandpa or some well-meaning pastor or whoever. And usually people were well-meaning. I had people that told me that I wasn't going to amount to a hill of beans and they weren't doing it to be mean to me. They were doing it to motivate me. But that wasn't helping me. And so to help quiet some of those inner voices that aren't really the voice, you know, I believe of the Holy Spirit that's inside of people in concert with their own voice to really begin to get out of them that there's more in there than what they realized. And it's very exciting to uh, uncap it and watch it flow. It's like a, sometimes with some people, it's like a fountain. It's just wonderful. Yes. Now, how does your training as a pastor help you be a more effective coach? My training as a, you know, as a pastor really comes from the principles of God's word. And, you know, that's why I love John Maxwell's, uh, my association with him so much, because pretty much everything that you find in a John Maxwell teaching is going to come right out of the Bible. <laughs> in fact, he's got a book. He, he, he wrote the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. It's not, he didn't rewrite the Bible, obviously. He just, you know, wrote a bunch of notes that go along with it. And it's just intriguing. But, you know, I, I agree with him. Uh, in terms that the scripture is just so full 
of valuable and actionable things that uh, people just start, you know, being doers of the word and not just hearing it, their lives will change because it's not just according to what we know, it's according to what we do, you know, and so the, the Bible has given me so much information, I want to help people make transformation out of the information, you know, where that transforms their lives, not just informing their minds, you know, and so when it comes to everything that I need to be a pastor is really in God's word. And the only thing in my training is I just learned how to dig it out. And I learned how to help other people dig it out too. Thank you for sharing that. So why did you name this episode Gripping Your Vision, Mission, and Values? Well, I just wanted to share with your listeners a a wonderful little tool that I use to in teaching and things about how to measure, you know, your vision, you know, how to get a vision, how to get a grip on your, your mission and values. And those are, you know, those are corporate buzzwords right now, and they have been for quite a while. And so I wanted to come up with a simple way to explain it and a simple way where people could just look at their own hand and remember, remember it. So it'd be okay. I could just take you. Sure. Take you please do. Really quick. Okay. Well, I start out by, you know, having the person lift up their you know, their left hand. And then I have them, I, I have them get their pointer finger out and, you know, and I remind them, you know, I know your mama told you not to point at anybody, but we're not really pointing at anybody. We're just taking point at something in the room. And so they'll take and they'll point, you know, like I got the clock on my wall, you know, I'm going to point towards the clock. And then the next thing I will say is where you're pointing is where you're looking. Now I'm looking at, at you in the camera right now, but, but, you know, if I was going to change my position, I'd be I'd be looking at that. And so, you know, I just illustrate that where you're going is where you're pointing. You're pointing towards where you're going. And if something interests you, if something interests a person and they become interested and a glance turns into a gaze, you know, then they take their body and whereas before maybe their their head just turned casually, they'll turn their whole body and they'll lean in and they'll look at it just a little bit more. And so that is just a reminder of, you know, where your vision is. And so, you know, in the coaching process, we talk to people about, you know, where are you going in your life? What is your vision? Where do you want to be in the next three to five years? What does that look like for you? Or do you just think life is just going to happen? Is it just going to kind of take it as it comes? Well, I guarantee you it will come, but it may not be what you wanted it to be. Right. You know, and so the vision finger answers the question, where, you know, where, where are we going? Okay, and so then as soon as we know that we want to go a certain direction, the next question that we ask is, so what's the trip, you know, what's the trip going to look like? What's it going to be like for me to get there? And so the mission defines what I got to do, you know, it defines what I got to do to get there, you know, and there's action steps, there's goals, there's things that, that come along with that. And so I chose the middle finger because the middle finger, I think, has gotten a bad rap in our world, and I'd like to rename it. I'd like to rename it the mission finger. And so this mission finger, I just chose it because it's the tallest one, and it reminds me of what the mission is. This is what I got to do to get where I'm going, okay? And then the third one is my ring finger or my values finger. And so an old Egyptian story was that blood vessels went from the, the fourth finger on the left hand straight to the heart. And so whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I do know that everybody puts a ring on when they get married on the fourth finger. And 
So I was like, well, that's my covenant finger. That's my value finger. The value finger, that tells me why. And I think that if people say, I have a vision, I'm going to go here, and this is what I need to do, if they stopped, it's because they didn't really care as much as they thought they did. They didn't really know how much they cared, what their why is. Why would they want to do that? Because your why is going to come into play when it gets rough, when it gets hard, when you don't know if you want to do this or not. For instance, in my life, I can remember when my pastor, he got me in his office and he says, so you think you're going to have your own parking place and you think you're going to be able to put your feet on the desk all day and you just think you're going to have all these perks? Well, let me tell you something. And he helped me to get the other side of the story to where I would develop value for what the ministry was all about. And he did me uh-huh. a great favor by doing that. So sure. you know, I kind of put the ring on my finger. Well, I used the thumb as what I call the strategy finger. Sure. Now, the strategy is when, when I say I'm going to get my thumb on something. Okay, when I can get my thumb on it, that means I've kind of got things under control. I hope that doesn't make me a controller. But there are times that once you get your strategy developed, you know what your vision is, you know what your mission is, you know why you want to do it. You're not going to stop. You know what your strategy is uh, and how to get your thumb on things. Sometimes in the middle of a project, you know, a tactical issue comes up. And the tactic is when. When are you going to do it? You know, the strategy is how you're going to do it. But the tactic is when are you going to do it? And sometimes timing can really be a big deal because, you know, it's kind of like Abraham Lincoln once said, you know, if you could just go as straight as the crow flew, you could take your compass and you could get north just as fast as you could. But you're going to run into some rivers and you're going to run into some canyons and you're going to run into some tactical issues. And I look at that like your little finger, where if somebody grabbed a hold of my little finger, you know, and they can take me anywhere that they want me to go. And that's distraction. That's usually distractions in people's lives. Well, then the last thing that I talk about is that all five of these fingers are tied to my palm. Now, my palm, I liken that to my culture. And my culture is my behavior. It's my character. It's what I do every day. It's not what I do in theory. It's what I do in my practice. And so my tactics, my values, my mission, my vision, and my strategy is all tied to my poem or my culture. And so if I really want to get a grip on my vision, I got to grab a hold of it with my whole hand. I can't, I can't have it just be just a little bit of it. I got to have the whole thing in hand. And I got to make that whole thing get wholeheartedly committed to what to what I'm doing. Otherwise, I just had a fantasy and a, you know, and a thought. And it's no wonder that people try this and they try that and they quit because they don't really understand how all that works together. So I hope that's helpful. Very helpful. Thank you for clarifying that. Did you invent this yourself? I did. You do have a training curriculum that you can develop out of this. Yes. I, I could. I'm, in fact, I'm considering doing that. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. My compliments. So how did, how did becoming a certified coach change you? Well, it just changed me to see the power of being about others. You know, I think that one of the greatest lessons that I learned by being a part of the John Maxwell team, and especially going through the course on Everyone Communicates, You Connect, is that if you really want to connect with other people, you know, you got to get over yourself. 
<laughs> and you have to accept the fact that if God said you're very good, then how about disagreeing with him instead of spending your whole life arguing with him or making the, the voices of other people be bigger than his. And so I decided that I was going to stop doing that. I tell people it's like the mirror test, you know, and I tell them in my class, it's like if I put a mirror up in front of my face, I mean, I'd certainly see if my hair was straight, if my if I shaved right, if I if I'd missed a button or whatever. But if I take that into a conversation and I hold that mirror in front of me the entire time, the person across from me is going to get a little bit disconnected and disinterested really soon. And a lot of right. people, whether in a conversation one to one or in a group or you know in a conversation you know with a hundred people, the only thing they're thinking about is themselves. How do I look? You know, am I doing a good job? Do I look stupid? Does everybody out there think that I'm just a buffoon? You know, all of those things going through a person's mind uh, turns their attention inward instead of outward, and it disconnects them from the audience. And so that's one of the things that uh, John teaches in that book. And it was life-changing for me, just helping me to realize that it's not about me. It's got to be about those that I'm serving and helping, because that means that I've also got to accept that God did a pretty good job on, on Larry. So we'll let God handle Larry, and then Larry can do the job that God called him to do. Thank you for sharing that. Larry, when you look at yourself and you look at your faith, how common is it among coaches for a coach to be a pastor too? It's not extremely common. You know, I find that there are a few pastors that are coaches in the John Maxwell team. And if I was to really do a survey or a search or could find out, I would probably find there's more than I realize. But I think that if pastors could see just how valuable the coaching process is, it doesn't mean that they have got to, you know, stop pastoring. Because here's what it's not. There are, I, I know some, some pastors, it's like, oh, you know, pastoring is sometimes it's hard work, you know, but so is everything. Life is hard work, if you know the truth, you know, and I've heard of some of these pastors, it's like, oh, if I could just become a life coach, everything would just be great. Well, you don't have to be one or the other. And being a life coach isn't just about, you know, developing your own business or hanging a shingle out there. It's just about helping, helping other people. So I know it's taken on a career path of its own, but I don't see pastoring as a career. It's a calling. And I see coaching as a tool to help me fulfill my calling, you know, and the other thing keeps that uh, people aren't just knocking down the doors of the church, you know, because somehow or other they got disengaged. And so if I'm thinking, if I can go out there as a professional coach in the business world, because mm -hmm. I do business coaching as well, that I can carry these values out there in the marketplace where people are going to, you know, experience the love of God and experience the heart of God that he has for them, you know, even though maybe they haven't darkened the door of a church in years or never have. And I can share the love of God that way. As we talk about faith and we talk about coaching, and you see a connection between the two, and I do too, I can see everyone who's a Christian benefiting from being coached by somebody who has a person of faith like you, a pastor coach. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that comes to my mind is I could see every pastor being more effective in counseling their parishioners if they learned what you know how to do. Agreed. 
you know, and, and I, if I can speak a word just quickly on that one too, in, in the professional realm, it's really important to coaches that we distinguish coaching from counseling, you know, and the best way to distinguish it is that coaching is futuristic, whereas counseling is past-centered, it's centered in the past, that coaching is really about clarifying where we're going, what clarifying vision, whereas, you know, to make you see better, whereas counseling is really there to help people feel better. Well, it, and it's because coaches are not therapists, but I am a biblical counselor, you know, and, and biblical counseling has traditionally been understood, you know, within the church that pastors do have the ability to counsel from the Bible, but not to diagnose mental conditions or things like that. And so, you know, I'm really clear that I don't do that. I don't practice any kind of psychotherapy. But, you know, but when it comes to the counseling piece, you know, helping people feel better is also helping them realize where they are. And those are questions where you got to get people asking themselves. And so I think that if pastors could learn those techniques, it would really aid their ministry greatly. Larry, can you share a story about someone you helped turn their dreams into their plans, their plans into their goals and their goals into action steps? Yeah, sure can. Uh, there, there's a gal that I've been helping the last couple of years. She's a business person. And, um, you know, I don't want to share too much detail, but I will, I will tell you that, you know, she experienced what I will call the squirrel effect early in her career, where she got this opportunity to do a certain thing. And she started doing it because it was lucrative and, and she got more and more business out of it. And it was like a piece of the business that she had, but it wasn't the whole thing. It wasn't everything she wanted to do. She wanted to do it in very small chunks and it ended up taking up her whole plate. Well, it took several years for her to get, you know, as I would say, tangled up into all that process. And so I helped her figure out that she could untangle that and, and begin to, you know, help her begin to clarify that this wasn't her dream and this was what was frustrating and what was actually hindering, you know, her purpose. And so, you know, I helped her part of getting a, an understanding of your dream is knowing what it isn't, you know, you know what right. it is, but you got to know what it isn't. And, you know, when somebody is just unhappy and they are frustrated, they feel like they're, they're in the, in the right caravan, but they're on the wrong bus. Kind of like, okay, <laughs> help them get off the bus and, they're going the right direction, but they're just not in the one that they need to be on, you know. And so as a result of that, she has basically cut it down to where she's only doing, she's doing as much of that as she wanted to do in the first place. And she has all, you know, all this time now that she is just going into her passion. And we met the last time for a coaching session and she she was just in celebrate mode. It was almost like she, had, it was almost, I know I'm here in Colorado, but it was almost like she was high. <laughs> you know, she uh -huh. was just like, ah, she was so excited <laughs> and so happy, you know, awesome. and it was, it was just wonderful to watch her discover and her purpose and realizing that, you know, what it is that she wanted to do, you know, and now the next thing is I'm going to really start helping her get her tactics and strategy put together and all that, but just watching the process of that develop. And, and it's exciting to work with her. And, and then for me, just to know that 
I pinch myself sometimes as they hand me a check and go, thank you so much. And I'm like, I got to do what I love doing. And oh, I, I get, you know, I can get paid for it. How wonderful. So I, I hope that that tells you the story you're looking for. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And I know you facilitate masterminds too. And there yes. could be somebody who's joining this conversation that does not know what a mastermind is. Please explain what a mastermind is. Sure, sure. Well, a mastermind, I have heard it's been defined many different ways by different people. And so I am not arguing with anybody's definition. I'm just saying this is how the John Maxwell team works. A mastermind is where you get a group, you know, of eight to 10 people, which is optimum. You get them together and week by week, you have everyone read uh, a chapter. And right now I've got two masterminds going. So my groups, they will read a chapter of the book. And then I have a workbook that, you know, they fill in some blanks on it and this and that. But I don't spend the whole time lecturing or talking to them about it, you know, I make sure that they get the synopsis of the material, but I'll have them write a paragraph about it as they come in, share what they thought was, you know, what really jumped out at them. And then we go through open-ended que coaching questions that help mine the material. It helps to draw the material out in such a way to where they can begin to be held accountable in a positive way. So we ask each other, okay, so what are we going to do with this? material that we're learning. It isn't just a matter of, you know, hey, that was, an, it was a nice chapter. I really liked it. I'm going to get through the book and then put it back on the shelf and it's going to gather more dust. No, I'm going to actually take the principles of this book and be held accountable to applying them. And it's wonderful to hear the story of how it changes people's lives. You know, I have one, one gal in one of my masterminds that says, you know, I, I have a difficult teenager and I am now having productive conversations and then connecting with them for the first time. And when I hear stuff like that, it's just thrilling. And I know you use masterminds for communication and connecting. Please yeah. explain more about communication and connecting. I know you've, you've brushed on it already. Sure. Well, you know, when I was talking about the mirror a couple minutes ago, I think that that's a, a great place to start. People think that because they're communicating, it means they're learning how to talk well, that they learn how to put their words together in a proper manner. Well, that is only one part of communication. You know, uh, the Verizon commercials really taught us a lot, you know, when they said, how, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Well, there's a lot of people that assume that the other person is hearing them and the other person is not connecting with them at all because they're, they don't know how to read their body language. They don't know they don't understand that there are some people in their personality. They don't want to have things over explained to death. They just want you to get to the point. And if you can't get to the point, boy, they're gone. They're, they might be with you, but they're not really with you at all. And, and so a lot of people, they get frustrated when it's like, well, I told you, I told you, I know I told you that. Well, just because you told me doesn't mean that I listened or that I heard you. You know, and, and in that course, uh, we talk about how people hear you with their ears, but they listen with their heart. In that course, we talked about, you know, if you talk to a person in a language they understand, they will hear you. But when you talk to them in their language, they will listen to you. You know, and sometimes people don't understand people, different ones love, love languages or 
-hmm. or we we don't speak the same language even if the language we're speaking is english not everybody looks at things the same way or talks about things the same way and so learning how to listen is one of the greatest components of connection instead of just over talking you know for instance one of the things we go over is that uh, when people are you know listening to somebody talk how many times are they in their own minds going over what they're going to say when this person gets done and so they're listening to respond instead of listening to understand or listening to support and so in this course we teach people how to uh, listen to understand and listen to be supportive and not just listen so they can respond. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a story about someone who's discovered their gifts, talents, and intrinsic value from you? Sure. There's a young man that grew up here in Colorado that I worked with, you know, several, several, well, it's been more than a year ago now, but this young man was pretty uh, down on himself, didn't really feel like he had a whole lot of value or a whole lot of gifting and and I found that, you know, I just began to spend some time with him and we began to do some, some coaching together. And, you know, as a result of that, I watched, I watched him begin to believe in himself. Of course, I, you know, let him know that I believe in, believed in him, mm-hmm. you know, and a young man that didn't really see himself maybe ever getting married because who would have him or maybe never see himself, you know, holding down a, a good job because, or didn't know where he would want to go or didn't see him as being talented or looked at him as kind of the ugly duckling or whatever. And now this young man is married. There's a baby on the way and uh, he's got a job with great benefits and he's done this communication mastermind. And this young man is just, uh, he's just shining, you know, and I helped him also to understand that he didn't have to fulfill anybody else's dreams, just needed to fulfill his own. And you know, if, yeah. if his dream was to be a truck driver, well, then that's a great dream. Who would anybody else be to minimize his dream just because it wasn't theirs? And so he's thriving in his purpose, and we still connect once in a while, but, you know, we don't get together all the time, but just had lunch with him the other day, and it's just wonderful to see that he's, he's fulfilling. He's fulfilled. When they're fulfilling their purpose, you find that they're fulfilled. And it's neat, you know, it's wonderful to see that. And it's obvious that you connected with him too. Yeah, very much so. And I connected with him because I was him. I was that young, you know, so many people, they they deal with abandonment and rejection and all of these kinds of things Mm -hmm. are, are common to us. And a lot of the conflict, it really comes out of just a lot of misunderstanding and an inability to really connect. People just don't connect with each other. When they could, I could go on and on. <laughs> There's something you that you've said before, and I've read it before. If you want to succeed, you must learn how to connect with people. Talk more about that. And I think maybe you covered that already, but go ahead. Sure. Well, you know that's that's really the premise of the everyone communicates few connect. It really is. If there's a thesis to it or a premise to it, that's it. You know who who do we know? Who do I know? that doesn't want to be somewhat influential. Now I have people say all the time, I don't want to be a leader. In other words, I don't want to have the title or whatever, but everybody wants somebody to listen to them and feel like that what they're saying has value. And that's really what influence is all about, is persuading another person to go along with you or to agree with you or 
or whatever. And so in order to see people connect, to communicate and to connect, it's like putting a plug into a socket where it, the electricity actually flows instead of just having the potential of, you know, if I plugged this in, it would really, it would really be great, but can't seem to find a plug anywhere. <laughs> well, you know, it's the connecting is where we find the juice. Yes. And there's somebody that's joined this conversation today and they want to connect with you. How can they stay connected with you, Larry? Well, they could certainly give me a call. You know, I'm happy to provide my phone number. And so I'll just give it to you. It is okay. area code 719-429-7006. Now, when they call, I'm not necessarily going to answer because I do get a lot of, uh, as probably everyone does, a lot of spam calls. And so if they will leave a message, then I will return their call within 24 hours. The other thing they can do is email me at larry.kevel at findmypurposellc.com. Again, that's larry.kevel at findmypurposellc.com. So that's my, my email address. And if they care to visit my website, it is www.johncmaxwellgroup.com forward slash Larry Kettle. So I will put that in the show notes so people can easily connect with you. And then if somebody wants to learn more from me, how can they learn more from you? I do a discovery session for free. Mm -hmm. So I will give them one discovery session for them to see if I would be a fit for them and then uh, work from there. I mean, how do they find you for a discovery session? Where do they go? They would just uh, email me or give me a call at this okay. point. Okay, very good. Well, thank you very much, Larry. I really appreciate having you as a guest today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for joining us today on Embers and Wind. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers and Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers and Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.